If you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. That's the Dalai Lama. I love that quote when I think about advocacy because I think we all feel small. What difference does it make? What can I do to make an impact on the world? Hi, this is Raina Nisus, your host for a Caesar Caring Podcast, where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. And I'm excited to bring to you today the number one most listened to podcast in 2022. And that is my podcast on advocacy with Carlos Olivius III. In fact, Carlos was recently honored as being a Congressional Advocate of the Year in California. So congratulations to him on that and enjoy our conversation on advocacy. Carlos is currently a primary caregiver for his 80-year-old dad who's living with Alzheimer's. He is the father of a beautiful and talented daughter. Carlos is an entrepreneur who's passionate about learning. He lived in Yuba City, California, and was raised in San Fermino. In 2016, life changed forever, and that's when he returned to his childhood home to become the primary caregiver for his dad. His dad is a Navy submarine veteran and is currently living with geriatric Alzheimer's disease. And this caregiving season has enabled Carlos to connect, encourage, and empathize with caregivers around the world. It's inspired him to advocate for more elder health policy as well as the practice of self-care for caregivers. Additionally, he's archiving and documenting his dad's progression through his vast assortment of art, which has included COVID doodles, and hopes that dementia community will embrace the artists living with this devastating disorder and allow them to display their talents and bring this disease to the forefront. Welcome, Carlos. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you, Raina, for having me. I'm excited to be here, and it's a pleasure. Advocacy is such a tricky subject, I think, because of that feeling so little. You know, we feel like we, how can we really make a difference? So what has caused you to choose to invest your time in advocating for elder care and even on behalf of the Alzheimer's Association? Well, great question. I guess advocating for elder care, I guess, just fell into my lap with the diagnosis of my dad's Alzheimer's disease. And it struck a chord, advocating for somebody that you love and making sure that they have serving their best interests and that finding out that not everybody is in the same boat. My dad took measures early on to make sure that he was cared for in, in case of something like this. I feel it, you know, I need to carry on his legacy, you know, reinforce his dignity and that needs to be shared with others. Advocating for elder care policy is something that is not really in the forefront in mainstream media. Our healthcare system in many ways is broken and we need to reinforce it. We need to look after our elders with dignity and love. Such a good point. I think that there's just a, I don't know if there's an assumption that we're just going to take care of them. I don't know what people think is going to happen when we get old, but we have to be a voice for them because they don't have the same ability to have their voice heard that they did at one point in their life. And I think it is important to realize that we're all going to get there and all the things that we can do to help this generation are going to also benefit us. And so getting that conversation out there and having more understanding of 
what's not working, I think is really important. I recently attended an advocacy workshop for the Alzheimer's Association in Kansas. I had no idea that there's actually no recourse in assisted living if they choose to kick you out. So in Kansas, because each assisted living is actually governed by state policy, not federal. Federal policy governs nursing homes, so skilled care. And in skilled care, you have to be given at least 30 days. There's an appeal process. There's all these things that are involved. But in assisted living, there's not. And in Kansas right now, there's a law that is working its way through the legislation that's called Charlie's Law. And his widow actually shared with us why she's petitioned the legislator to get something on the books. She and her husband were living in assisted care. He was in the Alzheimer's side and staffing became an issue. And the owners decided to close the Alzheimer's assisted living unit. And without notice, they were just told they needed to move him within the next day. For him, the move was traumatic and literally his disease progressed overnight and he passed away within nine days of the move. She was in total shock that they could just lose their home like that and that she had no choice. There was no appeal process. There was nothing in place that she could have stopped the move. Obviously, she didn't expect the move to have the consequence that it did. And that's not always the case for every person. But it was eye-opening to realize that in elder care, there's no rights when you're in assisted living. I didn't know that. And obviously, most people don't. And so that's why advocacy is so important for us to become aware of things we did not know, as well as to bring about change and to try to really influence change. So Carlos, how do you try to influence change? What things do you do? Well, I have to change myself. It might change my thinking. It's a mindset to understand what's happening and how we can kind of speak out with policymakers to have a conversation and share the information and resources that we need to see and review that may need to be changed. And those institutions and, and policies that are already in place need to be reviewed, adjusted a little bit because of the climate, um, because of cultural kind of differences and you know, generational kind of practices that we've, you know, most of many of us, like myself and our family, we've practiced. It's not uncommon to have uh, multi-generationals living in the same house, caring for an elder. And you know, that you know, that's not going to change. It's just, we need to give people the information and educational resources to assist them with these end of life kind of elder challenges that we have. When I was doing my research, there's been in the Congress at the federal level, the ability to have a tax credit of $3,000 if you're a primary caregiver, but it hasn't gotten to the floor. It hasn't gotten to the point of even being voted on. And so I think a lot of these things can be really helpful for families to be aware of to contact their officials that represent them and say, hey, let's do something about this. Let's actually give us credit for what we're doing. 
And we are spending our time and energy and our own finances to help care for our loved ones, whether they be in the home or not. We aren't necessarily getting it all the way to the finish line. So I think it helps us to become aware of some things that are available or in process and haven't become available, but have already been a great thought. And sometimes we're thinking we should get credit for that, just like you get credit for caring for your dependent children. But we didn't realize that that was even a bill that's already been you know, worked out and it's in process. It's just not moving forward. Right. And I feel that just having the conversation and sending a letter to your representative in your area or your senator and just saying, look, I support this and you are representing me and this would directly help me or somebody I know. And that will make a, a world of a difference especially when people are having financial burdens of caring for a loved one you know, and being that unpaid caregiver. I don't have the statistics, but there's a lot of unpaid caregivers providing support for a loved one and having a hard time with it. There's financial difficulties right now. And the pandemic didn't help very much. Mm-hmm. But it's bringing that to the forefront right now and having a conversation about it. And we need to apply some leverage to the policymakers in Washington, D.C. to say, this is going to get bigger. Caregiving is not going to go away. And providing a little assistance for us and resources will go a long way. And like you mentioned, your dad prepared. And so you're in a place where you have some funds that make it easier for you to on your personal, but you're spending your time. You've been there and not working, caring for him. And so it impacts your long-term future as well. I again was in the same situation. My dad prepared, had long-term care insurance and things that helped us to be able to provide the care for him. But it definitely has an impact and not every family is in that situation. So not only might the parents not have the finances, but others that are caring for them are losing out on opportunities to have income as well. It's a very complex situation with lots of challenges, but I think sharing our own personal stories have a significant impact. Have you had an opportunity to share your story with lawmakers in your area? Yeah, we have a state legislative kind of forum where we be able to, you know, reach out to different Congress people and share my story. We do go on the federal level. I belong to a advocacy group who has meetings with our, our local Congresswoman, Matsui, and uh, we share our stories with her. And we tell her what's difficult, you know, and what other people are going through. I share a lot of information from my caregiver support groups locally and give them the pulse of what's going on with caregivers and how, you know, a lot of them are, are having financial hardships or just hardships with finding resources Mm -hmm. uh, and and education to, to support them. It's, it's hard to kind of emphasize with, with other caregivers and to share that with lawmakers. So I feel that, you know, passionate about it. And then there's a purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Caregiving is one of the hardest things we will ever do. And so we don't ever want someone else to have to experience it. But you know that those of us that have experienced it, being able to be that voice 
and really share with those that haven't been there that are impacting these decisions on a national level, local level. It's such an important thing because our lives, our stories, our loved ones make an impact when just the statistics don't. So I love that you've been able to participate in that. So what would you say are some of your most important concerns that you're advocating for at this point? That one's a hard one. Um, <laughs> last year, the Alzheimer's Association released uh, facts and figures and a report that outlined disparities with the underserved people of color and women. And it reflected demographics across the board of this nation that there is some pitfalls in regards to education and resources and funding. And that kind of, I guess, tugs at the heart, you know, cause there's other people that look just like me that, you know, are going through some hardships and they don't know why, or they don't know where to go. They don't know, you know, who to call. And I think that's why it's very important that the Alzheimer's Association has their 1-800 number, 1-800-272-3900. We can give them a call 24-7. It's free and can answer questions that people have, especially if they're in conflict or maybe depressed or just need some answers or, or information about what they're going through. And that's how I got involved. I called them up one night when I was struggling with my dad and got some resources and information, got myself into a support group and it essentially led me to advocating for elder care and caregivers. But I feel very passionate that we need to really reach out to other people. I feel a little bit of a financial burden for my long-term preacher, for my retirement and stuff like that. But there's other people that don't have that motivation, that goal to see that through. They're just living day to day and we need to include them in the conversation and, and find ways to communicate with that. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things too is they're also underrepresented in trials and in research. And we're trying to get a handle on what is happening in the brain with Alzheimer's and other dementias and we need a good representation of all people of what's happening so that we can really make some progress in finding the cure. And so I think it's so important for us to get that education out there, like you said, because that allows people to understand more. We have to find all communities realizing that this is a disease that's impacting them. Even the term old timers disease, you hear that. I think there's such a mentality in some cultures that this is just what it's like to get old. And Alzheimer's is not normal aging. And so really getting that message out is so important. I think advocacy definitely helps us do that, helps us to educate, get those resources, and then research is such an important piece of that as well. And the federal government has a great impact on that as well. What research is available, what's approved, the funding has been increased significantly over the last few years, but it definitely is an area that we have to continue to speak out about. And that includes all different types. I know uh, Carlos and I share that passion for Alzheimer's because of our family connections, but I know that our listeners are not all in that journey, might be dealing with a 
caring for a loved one that has MS or cancer or other ailments. And all of the major illnesses seem to have an association. I noticed the National MS Society actually has activists that advocate for federal, state, and local levels to increase MS research, access to quality care, disability rights, long-term services, supports and awareness, and organizational support. So I think each organization has that. And as a caregiver, your time and energy is limited. So it's probably not the season for you to be the most outspoken, but I both respect you, Carlos and Usha, that I spoke with on our last podcast of how you've used the time that you have now, even as a caregiver, to be a voice for your loved one and a voice really for us as caregivers, because all of these bills benefit the caregiver as well as the elder that's being cared for. Yeah, I agree. Research is a mission that's driven by the Alzheimer's Association. You know, it's really reaching out and in highlighting the, the current and approved and emerging therapies to find a cure or you know a treatment for this devastating disease. Cognitive decline needs to be addressed. It's widely known across the board that women will get it much more than men. People of color, you know, especially Native Americans and African-Americans and in the Hispanic Latino communities acquire memory challenges along the way. And we need to reinforce that and make sure that they're spoken for and that they're included in these trials. So it's really important. And I feel advocacy is one way to reach out and communicate. And communicating in a way that is really going to get the ear of the people who are actually have the resources to help. So I think that's a really important piece as well. I think the numbers are almost two times as likely to develop the disease if you're not a person of color. I think that, does that sound correct to you? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the, the numbers and data stuff, they, they're fleeting for me because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're staggering. They're, they're staggering. We I just need to be there to kind of be that voice and share this information out there. It's hard enough caring for a loved one and then trying to advocate at the same time, but it needs to be done. Speak from the heart, share this passion, this purpose to make sure that the policymakers are aware that other people need this as well. Older Black Americans are nearly twice as likely to have a neurodegenerative disease or other dementias. Hispanic Americans are about 1.5 as likely compared to older white Americans. And again, the women, the number with women as well is twice as likely. So those numbers are just, they're mind-blowing and we have to have a voice. Research is where we're going to have the biggest impact and the purse strings are in Washington, D.C. So all of that equals advocacy. And again, no matter what your loved one is suffering from, those opportunities to be an advocate for research in those areas are available to you as well. I will link some of those things on our show notes page to be able to kind of connect you to some of those things that I found that were actually working in advocacy to help with beyond just research, everything dealing with that. But I think it's so important for us to really think about this topic, be realistic with our time and energy that we can invest, but realize that our voice matters. Right, right. 
And I'm not sure if it's it's appropriate to mention that the Alzheimer's has a, what it's called, Alzheimer's Impact Movement, AIM, and you can text them and they'll send you notifications via your phone. So you can advocate with your local legislation and promote your, I guess, support for bills that are coming up in Congress so they can vote and get the, get the message across. That's so great. I'm not sure if that's something we can link into our, into your, into the bio or. Yeah, definitely. I think all of those resources are helpful. And I do feel like most associations are getting to a point where they're making it really easy for us to be able to send information to our representatives and let them know where we stand. So I really appreciate just the fact that it doesn't take writing a whole new letter yourself, but a lot of times they give you a a structure. They definitely give you the information that you need to let the lawmakers know what you're supporting and why. So thanks for that, Carlos. We'll definitely put that in our show notes page as well. Well, our time is gone already. I really appreciate your time and opportunity to be here today, Carlos. Any closing thoughts? Learning about Alzheimer's has really changed the trajectory of my own personal life. Mm. So, you know, take with a grain of salt, be kind to yourself, love yourself first, give yourself oxygen. I, I think, doesn't Tipa Snow say that? Give yourself oxygen so you can you know, provide a positive approach to care for your loved one living with Alzheimer's dementia. Caregivers, we come right back to it every time. We have to learn self-care. Without caring for you, there's nothing left to care for them. A Season of Caring podcast was brought to you by Content Magazine, a quarterly electronic magazine designed to encourage family caregivers to find God in their caregiving season. Learn more at contentmagazine.online. Pre-orders are available now, and the magazine will be released in January. If you have financial, legal, or medical questions, be sure to consult your local professional and take heart in your season of caring.